Big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Bringing a whole new attitude to your afternoons. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. You know, two dudes talking sports. Well, wait, listen to those two clowns. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. Live from News Talk 1480 WHBC. It's a household name. It's a vibe, actually. It's the Kenny and JT Show. Have a great show! Live, I'll say so. Coming to you live from the corner of 6th and Market, a beautiful downtown Canton, Ohio. Kenny, 66 spring-like degrees. Don't blink, it's going to change. Yeah, we're going to lose 40 of that tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back to the, the the winter weather that we're so used to in February of uh, 2023. But, yeah, took uh, a walk up, got the mail right. today, was outside. It was a little windy, but it was warm wind, man. It wasn't that freezing sub-zero temperature wind blowing in your Put face. Put away those short sleeve shirts. You ain't going to need them for a bit. No, uh, I did have my hoodie on, though, just to, to be sick. But then I went out. I'm like, damn, I don't need right. this hoodie. This is nice. So I, I saw one of uh, the guys that lives in the neighborhood, an old Army veteran sitting outside. I'm like, enjoy it while it lasts. He goes, yep, it ain't lasting much longer. Right. I'm like, no, uh-uh. So, uh, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. the weather today. February 23rd, I'll take it. Every day, the days get a little bit longer. We get a little bit closer to spring. We're less than a month away. Let's go. And you know spring is here because spring training is underway. And we've uh, interviewed players all week long for the Guardians. And coming up today at 5 o'clock, everybody out there, you're going to hear from a guy who made a meteoric rise last year from no one to someone in left field for the Cleveland Guardians. And that, of course, is Stephen Kwan. Not only did he make that rise, he paved the way for 16 other rookies to come up and get at least a taste of the big leagues. Most of them started. Yes. And he established himself first, as you said, started in right field, then was in the bottom of the order, then moved to the top of the order, and then he established himself as a leadoff hitter. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's the real deal. Because some people are still wondering, was it a one-year wonder? Did they catch lightning in a bottle for a year? Or is this kid the real deal, and is he going to be in that leadoff spot for years to come? So hopefully he will be. But his approach, JT, I think he will be just talking. It doesn't matter. You can think that about anybody they bring in, whether or not it's your second baseman, your shortstop, your right fielder. It seems as though everything they did last year anyway had a way of working itself out. Now, I'd like to really sit down with Tito. We didn't get that opportunity just yet. Hopefully we will between now and the start of the season and see how it changed the manager. Did he approach these young guys a little bit differently than he had in the past? Because we, we've been down this road where we, you know, even Kipnis, who announced the other day that he finally retires for good, right? Right. He was loyal to a fault with some of these veterans. He doesn't have that opportunity because, let's be honest, there were no big-time veterans on this team. With the exception of Jose Ramirez, who you re-signed, you don't have to worry about the Jose Ramirez's. But I'm wondering if this, I don't want to say ignites Tito into a different way of managing a younger team, but whatever reason, for whatever reason, he got the best out of these young guys, and it showed. Yeah, and I, I heard that... Um... Or I read, actually, Tito, in preparing his speech, 
had all kind of problems preparing his speech for the players. He chipped a tooth at home, uh, was up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, and then spilled something on the speech that he wrote for the players and everything like that. It's just Tito being Tito, and then he goes right. out and uh, you know spreads the message to all the players uh, two days ago. Well, at least his scooter didn't get stolen again. Yeah, not mean, yet. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, if it weren't for bad luck, he'd had no luck at all. And that's what you like about this guy because he's like, you know, you hear he's a a coach's coach or whatever you hear. Players coach. Players coach. He's just a regular guy. He is the Rodney Dangerfield. He is the regular guy. You remember the regular guy look where they develop a new line of clothing for Rodney Dangerfield in the one movie? It's everything that's, you know, it's big enough and it's comfortable and it's, it's the regular guy. That is Tito Francona. Yeah, and we talked about this yesterday. With the exception of Santos, Sandy Alomar, their first base coach, you look at this staff, and for whatever reason, a lot of times it works this way in Major League Baseball. Most of the really good managers mm-hmm. and really good coaches weren't really good Major League players. You know they made it there. They got a cup of coffee mm-hmm. there, or they lasted a, a little bit there, but they didn't have all-star success or Hall of Fame success. But yet, when they come back as coaches or managers, they're outstanding. There's a reason for that. Most great players, their focus was on playing the game, maybe not coaching as well. And it's easy to say I can coach from experience, but it takes a certain individual to get the most out of their players, like a Bill Belichick. He wasn't a great player. Tuna, he wasn't a great player. Think of every great football coach, Tom Landry. I don't think he was a great player. Uh, you, you talk about Vince Lombardi. I'm sure he was a player. Was he great? Who knows? All we know is they named the statue, the trophy after him. It wasn't because he was a great player. It was because he was a great coach. So normally when you're looking for somebody to lead your team, you need a leader of men, and that's one of the reasons why you keep looking until you find somebody. And that leads us down towards the Browns, now getting another coach, and their coaching staff is starting to take form again. And Bubba Ventrone ends up being your special teams coordinator, assistant head coach. My question is this. What? You wanted to get rid of your special teams coach, and I have no problem with that. He doesn't get the blame for a missed field goal. All I care about is, can we ever have a kick return without a penalty? Teach these guys how to return kicks. Get your, your kick coverage team make sure there's no illegal blocks in the back. That's all I want to see, man. A punt return doesn't have to be for a touchdown, Kenny. Give me a 15-yard return with no illegal block in the back and no holding, and I'll take it. Here's what I love about the hiring of Bubba Ventrone. And if some of you out there are saying, wait a second, why do I know that name? Well, what is it about Bubba Ventrone? Well, number one, you never forget somebody who's called Bubba, so that sticks in your head. But then you're thinking, Ventrone, wait a second, didn't he play for the Browns? Yes, He played for the Browns from 2009 through 2012 as a special teams guy. And Bubba Ventrone was also a pro bowler for the Browns as a special teams guy. Mm -hmm. So here's a guy not too many years ago was doing this for a living. Now he's 40 years old. He's had some coaching experience. He was with the Colts. And they made him today not only their special teams coordinator, but their assistant Mm -hmm. head coach. And they had to do that in order to get him away from the Colts. And they think this is a nice up-and-coming young mind. So you go old school with Jim Schwartz as the D coordinator. And then, you know, some Ute, some Utes, I guess, if you will, with uh, Bubba Ventrone as the assistant head coach and your special teams coach. So I like the hire. I'm just happy. What's his Pfeiffer, 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 is gone. He's out of they here. They also hire former now. Utah State defensive coordinator Ephraim Banda as their safeties coach. So the staff is starting to take shape. 
These are guys that want to be coaches. The Bubba Ventrone is a nice hire, we hope, because of the fact that this guy doesn't want to be a special teams coach. He doesn't want to be a coordinator. He does want to become a head coach. And I have been told, and I have heard from various sources, that he wanted to be the interim coach with the Colts, and they didn't give it to him. And that's one of the reasons. He Not only was he available for the interview with the Browns, he wanted to take the Browns' job. He wants to get out of Indianapolis. Yeah, so he is. He's gone. Uh, he's here in Cleveland. And uh, I think it's addition by subtraction with, uh, what's his name? Out of sight, out of mind Preferred already. We, hope. we yeah. don't know anything yeah. about this dude. Let's be honest. He was a great player. Does that make him a great coach? As we just stated, the answer is going to be no. But when you walk into a situation where the special teams were so bad, and this is why I like Jim Schwartz as well, when you walk into that room and you see how the bad the defense was last year, it's easy to say, these are the things I need to fix. And it's the same thing with the special teams. When I look at the special teams of the Cleveland Browns, obviously there's no detail. There's no attention to detail, right? So yep. what we need to do is take the bull by the horns and say, okay, this is how we return kicks. This is how we block on a punt. This is how we block on a punt return. And we don't want penalties. And if you do, you're going to be held accountable. Now, whether that means you don't play the next game, maybe you get fined, I don't know. But it seems to me that the new guy in has to look at it and say, these are where the mistakes were. This is how we're going to fix them. Again, for me, I'm just tired of Prefer and these guys that have been there for years and years and years, and they keep getting another opportunity. I, I like the fact that they're bringing in uh, fresh eyes, fresh blood, fresh perspective, and, and getting rid of the, the, the guys that, uh, you know, for, because of the good old boy network, they keep getting That's jobs. The they key. just bounce around from team to team. That's key. Prefer had been there for, what, four years, but he came with Stefanski from Minnesota. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, you don't want to just hire somebody because they were boys. I want to hire somebody because he's a great coach. Prefer, God bless him. He won that playoff game for you. But then again, you played during the bubble. Basically, there were no fans there in that playoff game in Pittsburgh. To whereas, had there been, I don't know what that stadium holds, but let's say 60,000, 70,000, whatever it holds, maybe the outcome would have been different. He wins a playoff game, and we have never won in, what, 20-some years on the road in the playoffs. Right. Great victory. Great. Let's move on. Because there are still glaring weaknesses, not only with the play on the field, but as far as the coaching staff was concerned as well. Let's let's hope that they got these things fixed or are getting them fixed. Well, again, I, again, I'm I'm happy they hired somebody, and now we can focus on players. The coaching staff looks set at least for now. We thought it was set before, but then they fire Prefer, so it now looks set, and so therefore. Uh, let's see what they start. Uh, you know what we start hearing about free agents that they're targeting, targeting what they do in the draft, what right. they do with the the combine and things of that nature. And it's focusing right. on players, not coaches. It's interesting too because we look at this defense and the, the areas that need to be fixed on this team. Obviously, are going to be the special teams. The offense we think is okay. Maybe you tinker with the offensive line, but we look at the interior line, the defensive tackles of this team. You might want to start looking in the secondary as well. And you look at the cornerbacks and you say, okay, we have pretty good cornerbacks, but yet, look how many times they were burned last year because of a lack of communication, Kenny. Well, that goes back to coaching and or talent. Maybe they need more talent. That might be another area that they might want to look at. 
you're hearing Jesse Bates' name a lot with the Browns as a potential target for that secondary. He's currently with the Cincinnati Bengals. And we had Daryl Ryder on yesterday who said, uh, you know, the areas that they're looking at in, in his eyes are wide receiver and defensive tackle. And I agree mm-hmm. with that, but I agree with you also. That secondary right. needs help. Now, whether it was just they weren't on the same page because of Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, uh, or they just don't have the guys back there that – uh, can communicate, can get the job done. That's why that's mm-hmm. safety, Jesse, but you're hearing his name pop up, and we'll see if the Bengals elect to keep him or if they have to let him go because they've got to try and keep their wide receivers to keep that potent offense. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how this pans out. And the good news here is you're going to find talent in that secondary if you want to get somebody, and whether or not he's the top safety or the top cornerback in free agency – doesn't really matter because you're still going to be able to go after somebody because you're not going to have to worry about signing any of your first-round draft picks because uh, we don't have any. That's a blessing, and it's a curse at the same time, right? When you look at it from that standpoint, it's a little bit of both. But because of their inability to pick proper players in the past, Mm -hmm. in the first round, then you're right. You don't have to worry about it. Now you hope that, okay, with that second-round pick – after the top 42 players are selected, Mm -hmm. then you look and say, okay, who's left? Who's the best player left on the board at this time? Whether it's what you need or not, you go, I think, with best player available unless there's a tie between best player available and a position of need, right? If it's really close or a tie, then you might steer towards the defensive tackle or the wide receiver. If not... If the best player available is an offensive lineman, you take him in the second round. If it's a, a linebacker, you take him. If it's a wide receiver, for sure you take him because well, you need help right there. If there's one thing we know, this team needs depth. They need more depth on the offensive line. Obviously, linebacker was a huge concern last year because of all the injuries. So you need depth there as well. And I don't want to have to keep going back into the free agent pool during the season to find somebody that hasn't played in weeks the same way we got the guy that was wearing number 19. And by the way... How do you put a linebacker on a defensive team in Cleveland and give him number 19? That was ridiculous. But that's for he another story. Asked for it. That was his choice. You're allowed to then wear you those say, numbers. Then you say no because of Bernie Kosar. Give well, the guy some respect, and you don't give it to a linebacker. Well, they don't respect Bernie for some True. reason, and so they didn't care. Right? I'm sure you can think right. we don't care. That's not retired. Ridiculous. He, he isn't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the fans love him, but uh, he doesn't mean a doodly squat to us in our organization right now. So you want 19? Go ahead and wear it. We don't care. Ridiculous. Well, I'm Ridiculous. just saying that's probably the approach they took. Right? And, and, again, another conversation that we may talk about today, if you'd like to join us at 330-450-1480. But the real question here is, can they put together a team that builds character and culture? Because we see it in the other two organizations in Cleveland. We see it with the Cavaliers. We see it with the Guardians. Young guys who like being around each other on and off the field or court. And I don't know that you can truly say that about the Browns because it's been so dysfunctional for so long, it's hard to tell what's really going on up there. Yeah, I I wish I had a better grasp for it. I don't. Right? I I just don't. And I I don't know if we, we ever will. Um, until it turns around and they start winning and they don't have issues uh, in fighting, um, you know, uh, off the the field issues, off season mm. issues, ownership issues yeah. of getting in trouble with the the law and, and things like that, right. or you know, being uh, uh, the the subject of questionable signings and everything like that. Yesterday, when I asked Daryl Ryder what would really be the change, I thought he was going to say, "Well, it's real simple. You just start winning games," and that would have been the right answer too. 
yeah. you change culture, you start winning games, and guys do start to like to be around each other. You get on these losing streaks, you start getting the finger pointing, right? These guys don't like each other. Not my fault. That's your fault. It's kind of like a volleyball game. I got it. You got it. Nobody's got it. Ball falls in between both of us, right? That, to me, kind of classifies what was going on in that secondary most of the year last year. In my coverage, your coverage, nobody's got them. The guy's wide open, 80-yard touchdown by Baker Mayfield. I mean, come on. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see now that everything's in place for the coaches what comes next for your Cleveland Browns. Hey, enough on them for right now. How about the Cavaliers? They're back in action. Forgot about it. Forgot about it. It seems like this has been the longest break in the history of a basketball season. Go Cavs! 38-23. And and, uh, they take on the Denver Nuggets tonight. 7 o'clock is tip-off. 6.30 is pregame. And uh, I was going to bet on them tonight, JT, but... um, I got something for you. We did in our, you know, uh, Giannino's Pizzeria Parlay earlier in the week, but I stayed away from them because I haven't seen who's in and who's out no. for sure tonight, so I went and took my money and bet it on Penn State against the Buckets. I was going to say just that. Now, here's the difference. You got two games that we both like, uh, maybe the visiting team. If you like Denver, don't believe in the Cavaliers. I don't know. I know this much. Both teams are at home tonight. Ohio State's at home. Cavaliers at home. And get this. What? Point spread in both games last time I checked was two and a half. Cavaliers giving two and a half. Buckeyes giving two and a half. Yeah, I only got Penn State with one and a half tonight. <laughs> so that I took the one and a half because I think they're going to win outright. Um, but, uh, yeah, I need to see for sure is uh, Murray out for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, is uh, Gordon out? Is it Gordon? Who's, who's the, the dunker that they have? I always forget uh, his name. I think it's Gordon. Uh, is he out tonight? Rubio, I guess, is ill. Not sure if he's going to play mm-hmm. tonight. So that that's something to keep an eye on, on as well. But I, I need to get right now, finalization on as that. It, as I'm seeing it, and it probably hasn't been updated, and I don't know if this was updated last before the All-Star break, Aaron Gordon, okay. listen, is out with ribs. Jamal Murray, game-time decision with a knee. Okay, See, and that's the one that uh, I'm – I need to know if he's out. I'm taking the Cavs plus the points tonight. If Murray and Gordon both are out, take the Cavs plus the points tonight. If Murray plays, you might want to take uh, Denver with the points, but hope the Cavaliers win. Go ahead. We got a call to get you. Let's go to Rick in Louisville. We were talking a little bit about NFL coaches. What's up, Rick? Hey, how are you? Good, brother. What's up? Hey, uh, I listened to the first part of your show, and I totally agree with you about great football players don't make good coaches good managers or should say head yeah well it's both it's managers in baseball probably and nfl head coaches that's right good same way all right what nfl player that's in the hall of fame can you think of that made a good coach who's the last oh boy that's a great question kenny can you think of any I was a good a good head coach or what a former player in the yeah. Hall of Fame that ended up being a good coach. Okay, I'll tell you who it is. Tony Dungy. 
Tony Dungy was a better coach than he was a player, but he was still a good player. He played for the Steelers. So if you're on the Steelers back uh, during the time when he played, that was one of the, the, you know, the best dynasties we've seen in the NFL. So Tony Dungy comes to mind off the top of my head that was a, a very, a not a great, but not, you know, mm-hmm. not a bad player. You know, average to slightly above average on a very good team. So Dungy's the guy that comes to my mind. How about Mike Ditka? Ditka, there's another, another one. good one. Your dog agrees with that one. He likes Ditka. <laughs> yeah, we're out here. We're outside playing catch. I we're wouldn't blame you. <laughs> hey, you should oh. when it's 65 degrees out in February, right? It's better than being in a studio. You hey. got that right. <laughs> oh, Thanks a lot, Rick. You know wow. Oh, great, Rick. Appreciate that. Great call. Thanks for calling, Rick. Yeah, it's good All stuff. Right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rick. He's right. Uh, yeah, Ditka's yeah, another one. But, again, you know, you can you can sit there and you can think about it and you can maybe Google it and you can think, okay, who else could there be? There just aren't that many is my point. There, right. there are a few. And the thing is with Ditka, he was a great tight end. He was a great tight end. He's in the Hall of Fame as a tight end, not as right. a coach. And Dungy's in as – is he in as a coach or a player? He's in as a coach. You know the other one? Who was the oh. defensive coordinator for years with the Steelers? He went in as a Detroit Lion. Oh, Dick LeBeau? Dick LeBeau. But he wasn't yeah. a head coach. No, Dick LeBeau is a hell of a football player. But I'm just saying, right? yeah. he was a great coach, too. He's a great defensive coordinator, but he's yeah. in as a player for the Detroit Lions. Right, yeah. So um, you, you, I'm sure there are others that just escape my mind right now because it wasn't something we prepared for. Well, when, it's because you know, there aren't that many. Like that. If there were a lot, you'd know. When Rick first asked the question, and I, apparently I was wrong, but I thought he was implying maybe which player in the Hall of Fame would be a good head coach. Oh, no, I, no it I, was the I, other way Apparently around. I was yeah. wrong, but maybe that We that could never answer that because we don't know who wants to take to that. Look, when I was in college and I was playing ball and I was approached to coach at the junior high level, and this is way off the beaten path, but the point is this. As a player, and I had played for 12 years, didn't have the greatest success on the field and never, ever intended on being a coach. But when they approached me, they said, well, you think you would learn something from all the experience and all the coaches you learned from. One of the reasons I was able to walk in and coach for a couple of years at the junior high level is because not only did I absorb what they had taught me, I tried to move that along and instill that in the younger kids, let them understand the fundamentals, so to speak. Now, I I would imagine that a lot of players with a lot of great success, you go back to uh, maybe Joe Montana, fantastic player, right? Super Bowl victory. He, he was at one time considered the GOAT. I would have to imagine that at any time in his playing career, thinking about his post-playing days, coaching never came into the conversation. I can't say it. I don't know the man. But you would think that something would have happened between then and now and coaching never came to his mind. Maybe he had enough money, he didn't want to coach. Maybe these guys don't want to coach. All I'm saying is sometimes during your playing days, you're taking those classes, you're learning how to coach, you want to coach. I don't think all the coaches or all the players, I should say, with great success have coaching in their post-playing day mind. Here's the thing that I had uh, trouble with, and I coached travel baseball and travel basketball, okay? And this is this is a knock against me, something I wasn't good at. I couldn't understand because of the way I was brought up, the way I was trained, the way I approached it mentally. I wanted to practice as much as possible. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do everything. Hey, hey, can I get an edge? 
I couldn't understand why kids didn't want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're out there giving, and they've had more opportunities now. You know, we're doing travel basketball and baseball. We're running gyms out. We're running batting cages out. We're running fields out. And here's a chance for you to get better. And these kids, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. and I, I had trouble understanding mm-hmm. why kids didn't have the same passion that I did and wanted to get better. Right. For some of them, they just wanted to be part of a mm-hmm. group. Uh, I and still am. I'm a competitor, man. I like I said. I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. Right. So uh, if 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 we got beat, I was more upset than the kids. And so I had to take a step back, especially having a son on the team mm-hmm. and trying to get him to understand that. And he didn't then, but he does now. And we've had that conversation. There's a couple of more names that I cheated because I had to look this up. Just a right. quick Bleacher Report look to see who played and coached. Dan Reeves. Okay, nine Good. Super Bowls as a coach. Don Shula. But you think of Shula, you think of a great coach. Tony Dungy is on that list. And the others are just really, really mostly all old-timers or guys that played in the league for a cup of coffee. We're talking about guys that had great playing success. So, again, it works both ways. But in baseball, it seems to me more than not guys that – had to travel in the minor leagues, got called up, got sent down, yeah. got called up, got sent down, went back down to double-A, back up to triple-A, never made it back to the majors. They learned more valuable lessons through their trials and tribulations in Major League Baseball at all the different levels, mm-hmm. and thus they're able to relate better to players, both the superstar guys, the all-star guys, mm-hmm. the good players, but more so to those players that are trying to stick at the major league level and they know how to talk to them and how to motivate them but also how to give them that confidence right. that's needed in baseball because you fail more than you succeed and there's a reason for that yesterday when we talked to demarlo hale bench coach for the guardians what did he tell us uh, a lot of the veterans don't need to be coached up but when you're going up and down and back and forth from double a to triple a sometimes a cup of coffee at the bigs you do need more coaching, and you absorb it. Maybe it's able to pass it along a little bit easier for you if you do become a coach later on in your career. All right, we're going to get a break in right now. We're going to talk some Cavaliers basketball. They're back up and starting tonight, the second half of the season, if you will. 21 games left against the Nuggets tonight right here on WHBC, the man calling the action. Tootsie, Tim Alcorn, going to join us. To preview that and look ahead to the postseason, maybe with him next. Stay pow, here. Look out, it's Kenny and JT on WHBC. Sweet. If you miss one of our guests, get the podcast anytime at whbc.com.